The Golden State Warriors win game five in dramatic fashion as Jordan Poole becomes the hero with a half-court shot. Wiggins got three seconds to get a shot off. Wiggins to Poole. Poole gets it off in time. Oh, he banks it in! He banks it in! They count it! The Colorado Avalanche get ready to play game one of the Stanley Cup Finals against the two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning. The baseball season continues to favor the Mets and Yankees as we inch closer to the dog days of summer. We'll discuss all of that with yours truly, Kevin Wolf, up next on The Sports Buzz. And hello there, sports junkies. How is everyone doing as another Sports Buzz podcast comes your way as yours truly, Kevin Wolf, chats with you about what's happening in the world of sports as we have a lot to discuss coming off of a Game 5 victory for the Golden State Warriors in what was a huge momentum grabber half court shot by Jordan Poole that garnered momentum for Golden State and sent them off with a big key game five victory in last night's NBA finals 104 to 94 and now puts the pressure on the Boston Celtics to have to win a must win game six at home on Thursday night. And when you looked at this series and you looked at the great game on Friday night and how Curry put the team on his back and became the miracle maker that the Warriors needed to win that key game on the road to garner momentum, that was one of the best games of Curry's career on Friday night. But then when you saw other guys outside of Curry step up to the plate last night when it mattered the most to get a key win for a Golden State Warriors team that is hungry, that is feisty, and that is looking for another NBA Finals title. And the way they won the game and the guys that contributed, Wiggins and Poole and Clay Thompson, And Draymond Green, although he hasn't been a big headline or focal point in this series and a lot of his antics leave a lot to be desired, he's part of the team, so you have to include him in areas where he helps them in some way, shape, or form. But I got to tell you, folks, the game last night was just a fantastic watch. Wiggins, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Curry with eight assists. Everything about this team has just gelled nicely for them. And the way Steve Kerr is able to call a timeout, get his team back in check, and be able to come out of a timeout and garner the momentum and make the big shots. They're a big three-point shooting team, Golden State. They shot a ton of threes on Friday night with the catalyst being Stephen Curry in that game four victory and a 10-point win. Curry on Friday night had 43 points. He was 8 of 9 from the free throw line and 7 of 14 with the ball beyond the arc going to the basket for the three-point shot. 
So Curry was the catalyst in game four that gave momentum to Golden State going into game five. And then it was a nip and tuck game for three quarters last night. And then that shot by Poole at the end of the third really garnered momentum for Golden State to close out the game, go on a deep run in the fourth quarter, and you pretty much had a good feel with two and a half minutes to play who was going to win the game and what direction the game was going to go. And you just got to give it up to Golden State. And now I think Golden State has the edge to win this series. I told you when the series started that I thought they were slightly a tad bit better on paper. I told you that I thought that they were going to win the series. I said it would be a 6-7 game series. I have a funny feeling Boston is going to try and find a way to pull out game six at home. But Golden State is so good at the Chase Center and so good in that building when those fans are beckoning with chants and screams and cheers that I think in a must-win for both teams if it goes seven games, the home hardwood factor for Golden State will be key for them to win this year's NBA Finals. Now, Boston had the series wrapped up, and they were in control. If they found a way to stop Curry in Game 4, and if they found a way to make key shots late, I think they would have went to Golden State for Game 5, San Francisco. They would have been up 3-1. to one. Golden State, I think, still would have won Game 5, and Boston would have been able to celebrate a Game 6 NBA Finals title on their hardwood Thursday night at home. Now, that whole script has changed with a big, big, big Game 5 victory for the Warriors last night, and now the pressure is all on the Celtics in what is a must-win Game 6 to force a one-and-done situation back in San Francisco on Father's Day night on Sunday. The defensive ability of Robert Williams for Boston and some of the blocks and some of the defensive moves he's made has been great to watch. Tatum really needs to step it up a notch. The Celtics were 11 for 32 from beyond the arc. The Warriors were 9 or 40. 13 of 15 for free throws from the Warriors, 21 of 31 for the Celtics. Celtics dominated with 47 rebounds to 39 for the Warriors. And the turnovers, in my opinion, have been the biggest issue for the Celtics in this series. They turned the ball over a lot. And Ime Uduku, the head coach, really needs to find a way with his coaching staff to limit the turnover issue in Game 6 if Boston wants to come out and win. But you also need a huge game from Tatum. You need a big game from Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown needs to do what he does best. And I really think, hooker by crook, Boston is probably going to have to rely on the three-point shot late 
to beat the Warriors in Game 6. Because I think the beyond the arc shot is going to become a big focal point. They have too many weapons, the Warriors, offensively. And I think the only way you counterbalance that, if you're the Celtics offensively, is making big shots down the stretch. And you can do that with Jalen Brown. You can do that with Marcus Smart. You can even get that out of Al Horford, which we saw in Game 1, where he put the team on his back in the fourth quarter in San Francisco and was hitting three-point shots from all over the place. Both teams have been evenly matched in many areas throughout this NBA Finals series in 2022. The turnovers have been the problem for the Celtics and not adjusting to what the Warriors present defensively has also been an issue because some big shots haven't been made by the Celtics when they've needed them to be made in the last two games. More so last night than in Game 4, because Game 4, it was the Stephon Curry show. He pretty much put the team on his back. He pretty much told the team, let me take care of business here on the road in Boston. Let's ignore the loud screaming fans and the F.U. Draymond chant. And let me show why we're championship worthy. And he sent that message loud and clear with a 43-point performance on Friday night in Beantown. And then last night, Wiggins and Poole and Thompson all stepped up when they had to to be contributing factors for the Warriors to get a huge Game 5 win. And now I can confidently come to the microphone and tell you that I think it's the Warrior Series to win. You need one win in two games. I think that will be an easier challenge than being in a Celtics position where you need back-to-back wins and you got to get one at home and then go back on the road and win. And I get they won Game 5 on the road. But I think the nine days of rest for the Warriors, the rust, I think that played a little bit of a contributing factor to the Celtics' Game 1 victory. I really do believe that. The Warriors had too much time to wait for their Eastern Conference opponent and game plan accordingly. And the fact that they weren't playing on a more consistent basis for nine days, I think affected their start in Game 1 to an NBA final series that has been tough, that has been competitive, that has been fun to watch, that has been must-watch TV, hasn't had great ratings, but the product has been a lot better over the course of the last five games in the NBA final than anything we watched over the course of the entire 2022 postseason. You had some games that weren't even worth talking about In this postseason, 30, 40 point victories, teams being outplayed in all areas on the court. At least you've had some competitive play. At least you've had a product that's been watchable throughout the course of the NBA Finals. And I get the ratings have been a big issue. But again, the younger generation is drawn to the NBA. 
And I don't understand when these professional sports leagues are going to start these games at a more reasonable time for the East Coast fan to be able to really immerse themselves in what they're about to watch in the biggest spectacle of it all. Whether that's the NBA Finals or the World Series. I can't blame hockey so much in the postseason because the games have been starting at 8 o'clock. By 10.30 at night, you're pretty much done watching hockey. You know who won the game. But these 9-10 starts for an NBA Finals game are just ridiculous. The same way an 8.30, 8.45 start in the World Series is ridiculous, especially baseball, where there's no clock, where a game is four hours old, sometimes four and a half, five hours old to get through nine innings. I don't know what it's going to take for these commissioners to go out there and try and get something done where the East Coast fan can enjoy the game just like everybody else on the West Coast, just like everybody else in the Mountain Time Zone, just like people in the Midwest. These games are starting at 8 o'clock in Chicago. And on a Friday night, the start time isn't bad because you don't have to get up and go to work the next day. You can stay up late. You don't have an alarm clock that you have to answer to the next morning. You don't have to be anywhere bright and early. You can afford to really watch the game, and enjoy the full 48 minutes of play. But I got to be honest with you. It was tough trying to get through a game last night. The fact that a lot of these sports are looking to better themselves with the fan, and a lot of these sports are looking to gain an audience and, and garner a popularity within their respective area of interest within that sport, It is mind-boggling as to why you can't start these games at 7.30, 8 o'clock on the East Coast. Most of your people are working 9 to 5 jobs. They're home at 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock eating dinner. They're anxious for the game to start. The last thing they want to do is have to sit around for two hours, wait for the game to start, and then get to bed at midnight and be tired the next day because of the start time of the game the night before. There's got to be a way to fix this. I'm not telling you to start the game at 7 o'clock like you would during the season here on the East Coast or 7.30, but can you at least give us an 8.15 tip so we know the game is going to be done by like 10.45, 11 o'clock tops? I mean, the game last night almost ended 11.40 p.m. And by the time you get done watching the game and by the time you get done watching the post-game stuff and you're hearing the player interview on the court and you're looking at some of the highlights and you're getting reaction from the panel giving you their analysis, it's hard to just shut off a game and go right to sleep. You're digesting what just happened over the last 48 minutes on the hardwood, the two and a half plus hours that it's been televised to you. So that's the biggest complaint I have is the start time. And it's even worse in baseball than it is in basketball. Because basketball, you have a clock. You're guaranteed a two and a half, two hour and 45 minute spectacle. Not so much 
in baseball are you guaranteed a three, three and a half hour time frame? And that will leave any fan a little upset on the East Coast when it comes to the start times of these games. But I think Adam Silver, the commissioner, should be a little bit happier in the league office with the product he's seen on the hardwood. But the ratings would worry me. The appeal to the younger generation would worry me. And like I said a few months back on one of the podcasts we did, I think the NBA really needs to sit down and find a way to fix what's wrong with the sport. An 82-game season is way too long, in my opinion, and I think a one-and-done playoff scenario would really generate much more appeal for postseason success long-term with the NBA fan and the sports junkie as a whole. Because you could be a diehard Knicks fan, you could be a diehard Laker fan, you could be a diehard Brooklyn Nets fan. Nobody who's intertwined with the NBA on a regular basis is going to give you hard-hitting analysis for 82 consecutive games. It's just not possible. The season is way too long, and the postseason takes forever. And I get with the travel days, the three days in between for games, that makes a little sense to me with the NBA Finals. But if you had a postseason where you had a one-and-done feel to it and then made a championship series separate, where you had the best of three, let's say, between the two teams who get to that stage, that'll make for excitement and long-term success in a sport that really is dominated by few players and a younger fan base that hangs on to the big names for the entertainment value that they depend on. And whether you're an NBA fan or not, the everyday sports junkie, the everyday fan of sports or what we do on a regular basis in talking sports is going to watch these games. You're going to immerse yourself in the biggest sporting event of the year. That's common for anybody. No sporting event will ever be bigger than a Super Bowl because a Super Bowl is just a whole different game and entity in itself. And it's a huge, big event for a two-week time frame leading up to kickoff on that Sunday at that guaranteed 6.30 p.m. start time on the East Coast. So the NFL will always be king in many areas where the NBA can't touch Baseball can't touch, or even that matter, hockey can't touch. And the competitiveness of the hockey postseason has been something that has been extremely exciting. And I'm sure Gary Bettman can't be any more pleased than he is knowing that he would have either had a Rangers avalanche Stanley Cup final with the New York audience 
and the West Coast and Midwest audience, or the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, taking on a Colorado Avalanche team that is looking for their first Stanley Cup in over two decades since 2001. So you have many storylines that intrigue the sports fan within this Stanley Cup Finals, and it would have played well with whatever matchup you got. Rangers Avalanche, Lightning Avalanche, both of those matchups would have been supreme for an NHL season and postseason that has been exciting to watch. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be a tough out going for their third consecutive championship. We know what the Avalanche can do. They are a fast-paced team. They have great puck shooting ability. They skate the ice extremely well. They're very good at home, but they're also very well prepared on the road. And McPherson has taken over the NHL and has catapulted the sport into must-watch theater every time he's on the ice for the Colorado Avalanche as he has become the nation's best in what we've enjoyed so much about the sport of hockey. And I think you're going to be in for a series that could go seven games and a series where I think the Avalanche, because of the home ice factor, will prevail. But it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting because the Avalanche haven't been a big-time storyline in this spot for over two decades. So the NHL fan who watches hockey on a regular basis may root for the Avalanche because they haven't been in this situation in an extremely long time. But then on the other side of the spectrum, you're looking at a Tampa Bay Lightning team who is looking to do what the Islanders, Maple Leafs, and Canadians did by winning three times in a row for a cup final with Montreal and Toronto accomplishing this task twice. So very few teams have gotten to that point. The Tampa Bay Lightning are trying to instill their name on that very short list of accomplishing that task. And they're one more step closer to doing that by getting to this point in what was a long season, but an exciting postseason. And both teams are very well coached. They're both very disciplined. And I think we are in for an exciting NHL series that can go either way, as far as I'm concerned. And then you got the baseball. And listen, there's not much to say about what's happening in baseball than what we've already spoken about in previous podcasts. The Yankees are the dominant force in the American League. The Mets are continuing to show their winning success in the National League. And right now, the Yankees overall are the best team in the sport, and it pains me to say that, coming out of the American League. And in the National League, I really think it's the Mets, the Dodgers, 
and the Braves and the Brewers, those four teams would be the four that stand out to me as top-tier contenders. The Mets, the Braves, the Brewers, the Dodgers, and I'll add two more, the Padres and the Giants. Outside of those six teams that I just mentioned, every other team is practically playing for pride the rest of the way. When all is said and done, I think your NLCS is going to consist of the Mets and Dodgers. And I think whatever team can get home field in that series will ultimately have the advantage to play in the Fall Classic. And in the American League, it's the Yankees and then everybody else. I mean, the Yankees beat up on the Cubs so bad this weekend that if you're a baseball fan, you couldn't even enjoy the games. Because outside of the competitive 2-1 to victory the Yankees had in extra innings on Friday night, the Saturday game wasn't worth watching, and the Sunday game was home run derby, and the addition of the veteran leadership in Matt Carpenter who comes to the Yanks, dons the pinstripes, and goes out there and looks just as good as Stanton and Judge and LeMayu and all of the guys who have been integral pieces to the Yankee success this year. And when you think about it right now, the Yankees don't need dominant starting pitching because the offense has superseded that in so many ways this season. Every time they step up to the plate, there's a base hit. And as great as it is to win these games, it's boring because there's not a ton of competitiveness involved. It's not keeping you drawn in the way you would want to be as a diehard fan because you sort of have a feel of the outcome as the game is progressing along. There's one team in the American League that I think will have any say in how far the Yankees get. And that, again, will be the Houston Astros. Because outside of those two teams, I really don't see any other team being able to contend or keep pace with the New York Yankees. We know about the White Sox. We know about LaRusso. We know about the success and the Hall of Fame pedigree he has. And, and we know how these teams can go on runs. And how after the All-Star break, you can get a team that's five out, six out, that wins eight out of their last ten games, goes on a run and positions himself nicely in the division. And we know that anything can happen, that there could be an unforeseen injury that can take place, or there could be a big-time pitcher that gets hurt and is out two, three months, or put on the DL and maybe has a season-ending injury. We know all of that. But so far, with the way this season has gone, and with the way... The Yankees have positioned themselves in the American League and everything they've done and the way the Mets have looked without the likes of DeGrom and Scherzer as the one-two punch at the top of the rotation, you pretty much go into the month of July with a good grasp on how all of this is going to finish and play out. And I think right now, if you were to ask me on June 14th, 
who will be the final four teams standing for a chance to compete against one another in a World Series? I would have to say Yankees-Astros in the American League, and I'd give the edge to the Yankees with the home field in the house that Homer's built. Boy, is it so easy to hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. Every other at bat, you feel like the ball is going to go out of the park. And on the National League side, we know the experience with the L.A. Dodgers. We know that they've been in the thick of it for an extremely long time with postseason play and World Series play. And I think in the National League, the only team, in my opinion right now, that would be able to contend with them for a shot at the World Series would be the New York Mets. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Met fan. I'm saying that because I'm a pure baseball purist who's looking at this from a realistic standpoint. Yes, the San Francisco Giants are a feisty team. They're a wild card team. I don't think they'll have enough pieces to be there at the end. The Brewers are a great team. They have good hitting. They have good pitching. They have a really good bullpen. They have a great manager in Craig Council. I don't think there's enough there. When we look at the standings in baseball, it's June 14th. The Mets are 18 over 500. The Braves have won 12 in a row. They're doing really well. But the thing is, if the Mets can continue to win series, they don't need to sweep. They just need to win series. I think it's going to be very hard for the Braves to be able to bounce back to overtake the division if the Mets continue to do their job and just win series. Take two out of three, take three out of four, and you should then be a division winner when all is said and done. So the Mets are going to come out of the East with a potential wild card being the Braves. The Central, I think, is going to be between Milwaukee or St. Louis. When all is said and done, these two teams will be battling it out for the division title. And then the West, I think it's going to be between the Dodgers and Padres. And I say the Padres because I think the Padres, the experience of Bob Melvin, I like what I've seen out of them. And I just think they're a little bit better right now than the Giants are. But those three teams are going to be neck and neck. I think the Dodgers, when all is said and done, will more than likely win the division. And your second wild card will come out of the West being San Diego or San Francisco. So your first wild card will be out of the East. Your second wild card will be out of the West. And then in the American League, the Yankees are going to run away with the East. They're already eight up. They're 44-16. and 16. They got the best record in all of baseball. They don't only pitch. They hit. They hit home runs. They do everything they need to do. They just know how to win baseball games, and they can do it without a great bullpen, and they can do it even in situations where they don't need a closer on consecutive games because the games are out of reach for a safe situation. Minnesota, the Twins have been fun in the Central. They played the Yankees well in a three-game set that they recently had in Minnesota. It's going to be between them and Cleveland. I think the White Sox, with the Larusa name tied to it, could make that division interesting. But their starting pitching hasn't been great. Their clutch hitting 
and their offense hasn't gotten the job done in key situations so far this season, and I think that's going to come back to bite them. And in the West, I think the Astros are going to run away with the division. The Angels have underachieved. The firing of Joe Madden was just the first of many bad things to come for this franchise this season. And I'm sorry to say that, but there's talent there. There's pitching there. There's Mike Trout there, who's been the face of that franchise for an extremely long time. And with Trout and Otani not really being able to be the two focal points that the Angels need to catapult them to winning success, your dog days of summer have just gotten more dreary because I think the Angels are going to have a lot of work ahead of them in the offseason when it comes to reshaping this franchise to make them a competitive winning team again. So you have a pretty good feel in the middle of June of how this baseball season is going to play out. And in a way, it makes me a little mad because it doesn't keep you as intrigued. It doesn't keep you as dialed in. And the excitement won't be there in the latter months of the season for some of these pennant races towards the end of August and beginning of September. And with NFL camps starting to open up and with preseason around the corner and then the NFL season beginning in in September, if I'm baseball, I'm a little worried right now as to what the future holds with the remainder of this season, with many divisions already squared away, and with the possibility that the fans may not be as immersed in it as you would want them to be in the latter stages, which can hurt you from a ratings standpoint, and which we know is going to hurt you big time when the NFL starts, and you practically have nothing to latch on to outside of football come September with the way this season has gone in baseball. So with that said, I thank you all for giving me an opportunity to chat with you about what's happening in the world of sports, passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our motto here on the sports buzz. As we try to grow our platform, as we try to bring you entertaining, passionate, hard-hitting sports talk that you won't find anywhere else, you can reach out to me at sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. That's sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Any questions you have about the podcast, any thoughts, feelings, or opinions you may have regarding what's happening in the world of sports, reach out to me. Let me know what you want to talk about, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. That's Sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com. We're also on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We can be found on any podcast platform that currently distributes this broadcast to you on a daily basis. And please spread the word. If you know somebody who's a big sports fan and may not have heard about the sports buzz, show them the podcast, let them listen, and let them enjoy what we offer on a daily basis. I hope everybody's getting ready 
for the hot summer months as we all get ready to plan vacations and try to enjoy the next two and a half, three months. And let's hope, let's hope that the month of July and the month of August can have a little bit of a compelling factor when it comes to the sports world. Because the NBA Finals are almost over. The Stanley Cup Finals and hockey will be done soon. And outside of training camps for the NFL, there will be a lot of book reading, television watching, movie watching, and family fun time if this baseball season doesn't get any more compelling and draws interest of many sports junkies out there. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Game 6 Thursday night of the NBA Finals. Again, I think the Celtics will find a way to win Game 6. But when all is said and done, we'll be back with you soon as Golden State will get ready for a parade in San Francisco and celebrate another NBA title. When all is said and done, it's going to be very hard for the Celtics to win twice back-to-back to capture a title. I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be Golden State in seven. Thank you all again. Thanks for your continued support. I will be back with you soon here on the Sports Buzz as Kevin Wolf says, adios and farewell until next time.